Three, two, one, and we're back, Julia. It is our Sunday show. It is the last day of the month, the last day of the month of 2021. We've we've made it through so far. Month one, month 11 one. to go. Under the belt, 11 more to go, right. So far, no new plagues or pandemics or alien visitations or anything else crazy like we experienced last year. Well, I have one thing in our articles, oh, but it's it? not as bad. I bet you do. So listen, a normal uh, our normal Sunday warning still applies. This is not Tim and Julie's normal podcast. Yes, this is Real Estate Coaching Radio. Yes, you are listening to the number one daily real estate podcast for real estate agents in the nation. And no, we're not going to talk about real estate today. And the reason that we do our Sunday podcast is because we want to help you guys realize the importance of always expanding your thinking, always expanding what you think about. That way you basically don't, you know, frankly, become uh, mentally complacent. And the best way to keep your thinking and your ability to think about new concepts elastic is to intentionally put your way, yourself in the way of, you know, frankly, things you never normally think about. And that's what Julie and I've done for years. And so we've sort of gravitated towards the bizarre, you know, facts and, you know, figures about life in general. Um, and uh, yeah, it's helped. And it's causes, if you do this at least once a week, um, where you're going to, Maybe it's just listening to our podcast, right? Maybe it's just listening to this Sunday podcast. Maybe this is your little reprieve from reality, and that's certainly fine. But you'll find when you go back to thinking about the normal things of life that you are you might see little you know, things that were maybe hiding in the shadows before. Maybe you're going to see a different, a slight different twist on an idea or some problem that has been lingering for a long time is solved. It all comes from basically keeping your thinking elastic. So, Julie, I didn't. Uh, I know you have some mm. articles. I don't yeah, have any articles. That's okay. But I had a, um, I had this happen probably, I don't know, three or four times last week where I'm talking to somebody um, and they're in their 40s and their 50s and they're using this term in one version of another. And I thought it was fascinating because I'm seeing this frequency of people um, believing that this is actually a thing. And I wanted to address it so that people can realize that um, this particular topic that I thought of is not something that's a sort of mandatory right of, you know, growing old and passage of time and the rest of it. And, and that's this midlife crisis concept. Oh, yes. Yeah. Okay. And I, I've seen that happening a lot. And I, I don't know why. I don't know where this is coming from. And I think it's probably there's some, honestly, I bet you there's some just current thing. I should do a, like a Google uh, search to search to find out what the current like zeitgeist is, whether there's a bunch of people that are talking about this or somehow this is in the news or something, because that's normally how these types of thought waves happen. But this whole concept of a midlife crisis, and, and Julie and I have talked about this before, and we've actually researched it for the book that we just published, well, two Junes ago, um, but we didn't end up actually having any of that content. And I don't know, do we have anything in there about midlife crisis and mindset and all that? Uh, not, no. I don't think we did either. Yeah. But we did research it. We did. And I think we got the sleep piece in there, but we didn't get the what yeah. you're talking about. There's yet. a lot of stuff that the... Uh, the uh, publisher didn't want us to put in because <laughs> they thought it was too far out of our wheelhouse. Edited out. And they were probably yeah. right. But this this topic in particular interests me because, well, I mean, I guess age-wise, if I'm lucky, I'm at midlife, right? And by that, I mean I have another 50 years left, you know, if and I think Julie is the same way, sure. right? So, But it doesn't interest me for the sake of basically my own uh, self-interest. It interests me for the sake of the fact that a lot of people are socialized to believe that when they reach a certain age – that they have to almost there's a um, almost like a social imperative or a, an expectation that you become complacent, mm -hmm. and I think that's fascinating that people aren't introspective enough to realize that that's completely voluntary and not even remotely yeah. relevant to the the life that we live now. And so mm -hmm. I'll tee you up, right? Sure. So I think that there was very you know uh, see a physiological thing that was happening that happens naturally in all of us when we get to the point where we're probably in our 40s and our 50s, where we do have this sort of lizard brain reaction to reality that maybe we don't have the same uh, impetus that we did when we were younger. Mm -hmm. um, but it's, so I do think that this emotion is rooted in psychology. Or I'm sorry, rooted in physiology. Physiology, yes. Right, because in, uh, in, when you and I researched it before, it's quite fascinating mm -hmm. that it wasn't until relatively modern you know, times that humans lived as long as we do. That's true. Right? I mean, mm -hmm. despite what you guys might believe from, you know, all the horrible news, uh, especially in regards to, you know, pandemic and whatnot, people are living longer and longer. But it wasn't that long ago. I, you know, I bet you. No, it, when our grandparents and probably even when our parents were born, the, the life 20s probably is not what it is. Not I think even it, close. I, I wonder how far back in history it was yeah. that the average life was like 55 or something. Mm -hmm. It may have been all the, it may have been, you know, 1600s, 1500s, no, who I, knows. I bet it was. 
I mean, we'd have more to modern. It. I bet it was like mid 1800s. Right. And so what we're seeing is a lot of people that like you do, I do believe that your body is um, sort of has a trigger in it that makes it think that at a certain age or after it's, you know, had so many life cycles, or, you know, if you mm-hmm. want to be really nerdy about it, that it starts to actually feel, um, you know, some sense of uh, old software that's sort of, some, you know. Some degradation at some level. Exactly. And, but the thing is, is with modern medicine and certainly with, frankly, access to information like we have now, we don't have to actually allow that sort of innate feeling of irrelevance to dominate mm-hmm. uh, the stance, stances we take in life with regards to anything, no, physicality, you know, anything. I think you have to try a hell of a lot harder. When, as you get older, you have to be way more conscious of it. I mean, look at the difference between the natural energy that Zoe has all the time. From the oh, yeah. second her eyes open until she passes out at night, she doesn't have to manufacture energy. It's just there. It's at her command. And how, you know, as you get older, you have to be more aware of it. You have to take better care of your body. You have to, I mean, I, I can totally understand how some people say well it just must be my midlife crisis things are going downhill from here but you hear people say stuff like well, that. well that's what i'm saying and yeah. i've seen it happening and people saying it in differing you know levels and in, in differing levels of intensity mm-hmm. but the problem is just by saying it you're acknowledging that it's probably true and what i'm here to tell you is that it's completely voluntary because you don't actually have to slow down no. when you're at a certain now so here's the a fascinating thing most people, and you guys can research this yourselves, just despite what you might be hearing in social media, most people don't reach their uh, peak earning um, until they're in their 40s and their 50s. Matter of fact, some of the biggest success stories in the history of humanity have been people who have been in their 40s and 50s. And this goes all the way back. You don't really hear too many you know, folk songs and whatnot being sung about people that were in their you know, 20s. Most of those things that happen where people become historically relevant, it happens as a result of the accumulation of all their experiences. But what happens is if you believe that, you know, you're at, reached a certain age, whatever that age is, that you no longer can strive, you then have to settle. When you get, if you start believing that, you're never, you're not going to have uh, essentially tried long enough to actually have done something substantial with your life because everything worth having in life takes, I don't even know what the multiple is, four, five, ten times longer than you think Way it should. longer than you think it should. And, and certainly longer than what you think it should if you believe the, you know, Mickey Mouse you see on social media, right? The narcissistic stew that makes everyone seem like they're overnight successes. So if you're in a, if you're at an, a certain age, and some people, you know, it's funny too, when we were growing up in the 80s, mm-hmm. think about this. Well, 30 was considered your midlife. I know. You, I know. You remember I, that? I, I remember thinking 30 was like, gosh, you know, that's old. Yeah, but my point is... <laughs> but my, yeah, you were halfway there. Right. And, and yeah, I mean, I think that's definitely true, both for men and for women. And I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I, I hear it, you know, out there. I see it with uh, our classmates from high school and their Facebook mm-hmm. stuff. You know, occasionally I'll, I'll read something and I'll be like, really? You know, because like? you... Be, um, and I think it's worse. I do think it's worse in the winter where people are like, I can't shake, like, I can't shake this depression or I right. can't, I can't seem to uh, go to the gym for the past month. I'm getting fatter. I'm getting balder, whatever. And then, you know, I'll see another post where somebody has clearly actively gotten it together, but, but consciously. But when that happens, when the mm-hmm. person is basically essentially saying, I'm old, I want to start giving up, a yeah. whole bunch of people pile on and reinforce that. Yeah. Yeah. I would say that's true. Or yep. they, they almost... Um, in a way, enable that person by mm-hmm. agreeing with it. Or, you know, they'll say something like, oh, yeah, it sucks to be 50. You know, I'm right there with you or whatever. Right. But it is a negative affirmation. People don't realize that by saying, you know, I'm in my midlife crisis or I can't shake, I can't get out of this rut. You're reinforcing the problem because you're putting it out there. You're hearing yourself say it. Well, so physiology aside, mm-hmm. there's also a um, evolutionary Thing with regards to the young people needing to have the older people set, step aside so they can start basically moving into positions sure. of power. That makes and sense. That, and that, I think, is if I were to really drill down in my head, which I'm trying to right now, that I think is what's actually causing mm-hmm. a lot of these people to maybe be getting mixed messages about you know midlife crises and sure. whatnot. Because there's a crap ton like you and I are Generation X. Mm-hmm. And there are so, the generations that are following us just in sheer numbers are massive. Mm-hmm. And so those people, the, and the, a lot of the folks that I see in the millennials and the other generations, they are like, when you and I were coming, you know, you and I have been married for 30 years. You know, we've been, we've had numerous businesses together and we did not know a lot of entrepreneurs. No. Especially our age when we were getting started. 
They're, I mean, I can barely even name any. The kids today, listen to me, they, they, they call it the hustle culture, right? Yes. Yeah. And so there's no, there was no hustle culture when we were coming up. No. It didn't exist. No, to, you, you had your job for a real damn long time. Right. That was the culture. And, and that was the goal. I mean, I remember graduating from high school, people were like wanted to work for um, one of the, maybe the Wexner companies, or they wanted to work for a new tech company. Well, you like, were designed like to be a teacher. Sure. But it, but it was... <laughs> It was the expectation was that that would be your career and that's what you would do. Right. Like for life. Yeah. And if you were thinking of doing something entrepreneurial and that was you were some kind of an outlier. Yeah. The, the, the term side hustle didn't exist. No. For but example. do you remember how clear that was culturally? How mm-hmm. when you and I were in our 20s and we decided we were going to own this business and start this business, and start yep. the other thing. We it really we weren't getting reinforcement. No, from we that, were the weirdos. From, and we were the weirdos. Absolutely. Yep. And it did take about 10 times longer for us to really get the benefit of have, actually having made the sacrifices sure. we had to. Yeah. Well, so it's fascinating now that uh, it's completely different. Mm-hmm. Nowadays, to be an entrepreneur, to have you know whatever you know, side hustle or whatever you want to call it, people working for themselves and trying to create their own way, that is completely different than the way it was Agreed. 30 years ago. And so for that reason, with the people that are our age, mm-hmm. if they don't have their shit together, yeah. physically, mentally, emotionally, financially, mm-hmm. this generation that's following is going to eat them alive. I agree with that for sure. For sure. Mm-hmm. And in, 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 all, in all measurable ways. Mm-hmm. But the thing that the older generation has that the younger generation doesn't have, well, presumably, is going to be experience, life mm-hmm. experience. And in sales, maybe in real estate, if you've been in the business for a long time, centers of influence, past clients, you know, you're going to yeah. have essentially an accumulation of past, you know, goodwill in the community that people want to do business with you. But at the same time, it I think what happens a lot of times is that people start to think that they can't fight anymore or think that they are essentially working on their last genera- or last version of themselves. As, yeah, like it's too know. late for them. Right, exactly. And that's so sad. It is. I, I think that a lot of people that are probably our generation and, and up, um, they don't know what the steps are to correct that, right? It's just like assumed that that ship has sailed and like you said earlier, I've, I'm going to give up because I'm just, you know, I'm Slack not with of, it. So what are the, when you and I, again, I think this all comes back down to a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Lack of exposure and your, essentially your environment. Those yeah. two things. Well, and, and ultimately lack of action is really what oh, it comes yeah. down to. I mean, complacency overall, you right. can put it in that bucket. Um, you were, you started this conversation out talking about the physicality of it and the natural, you know. Your body does start to degrade, especially if you're not taking care of it. You've got to be a lot more active. I've always been fascinated by epigenetics, which has shown that you can actively actually change your genetics. Like maybe I'm predisposed to be huge, okay? But because I work out every day, I'm reprogramming my tendencies. Are you huge bashing? Right? Are you huge bashing? Not necessarily. <laughs> I'm just saying. Well, both of us are. Or, or you know, whatever the case may be, that you have that tendency towards. Um, you can actually. It is scientifically proven that you can actually reprogram yourself mm-hmm. to not have to go down that path. We'll talk about that because I don't know what you're talking about. Um, yeah, it's. I haven't studied it in a while, and you sprang this on me. But it's. Uh, it's called epigenetics. And so let's let's say that you're predisposed towards it, it could even be um, like heart disease or something like that. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, right now, let's say that I haven't done anything about it. They test me. It comes out. You can do this on 23andMe and it'll tell you. Let me make it real basic. Yeah. So if you guys do 23andMe, which you should all do because it's kind of fascinating. Well, no, it's badass is what it is. It's gotten really robust. I know. When it pumps back. It's crazy. Yeah. But we, you might find that you have a genetic predisposition to something. But what and then um, the reason that 23andMe actually ran afoul of the government, F- FDA in particular, it was for frankly I think a valid reason. Because if they start telling people that they have a genetic predisposition to fill in the blank, that does not necessarily mean they're ordained to suffer whatever that malady would be, right? I'll give you, it goes both ways. Julie, after having done her 23andMe, actually has, uh, what is it called? It's called the elite athlete gene. The elite athlete which gene, makes me laugh because which is hilarious. I hated Jim. Yeah, and it, the elite the elite athlete gym or gym gene. gene is incredibly rare. And guess what? You only find it elite elite athletes. And, and if, if you ever, if any of you guys, you know, Julie's definitely 
looks like an athlete, but she's certainly not an elite athlete. Never no. even had the. So there's an example. Now, that never occurred to me. <laughs> had she been raised by parents that were not nerds, she probably would have. And God bless them. Not nothing well, against nerds, but had uh, she been raised by people that were outdoors people, gymnasts, and you know whatever, whatever, she probably would have could have genetically had the predisposition yep. to go off and do something in the Olympics or no, who knows what. I mean, she's just a little oh, no, tiny right. thing. She could have been a gymnast. Who knows? So, so the moral of the story is, is we have so in that particular thing that was a positive thing sure. that because she didn't uh, trigger it through actions when she was a kid or she does now, but when she was a kid, then that never actually manifested. So when you guys think about genetic predispositions, you always go to the negative, oh, some horrible disease, but it's the positive as well. And isn't it interesting if you do the twenty three and Me and you find out like Julie, you have the elite athlete gene, right? And then you say, well, shit, maybe I don't have to be fat. Maybe I do have what it takes to run a marathon. Maybe I'm, you know, however old you are and you started to write off the big dreams and goals and hopes you'd had for yourself. Maybe it's time you dust those off because, guys, at the end of the day, you only live once and you're dead a real long time. Yes, so finish absolutely. with your. Well, so they can genetically test that you've got those predispositions. And as Tim said, 23andMe, you don't have to go to a geneticist to find out. You just do the little swab and send it in. Okay, so they it's actually have, spit, but spit, yeah, yeah. So <laughs> the, the corona test on my head. Yeah. Um, okay, so they also have proven through studying epigenetics that when you change your lifestyle and you change your habits, then certain things uh, can be triggered either on or off, right? So, um, you know, like for me, I do use that fact, the the whole athlete gene. Like I think about all the time when I'm on the treadmill, I think I'm probably going to die. And then I'm like, no, you actually can't handle that. Well, actually where I saw, I've seen you using it recently is because you and I are starting to use more heavy weights. Yes. Okay. And, and so, and, and we're like, exactly. <laughs> they are stupid kettlebells developed by Russians, by the way. Did I tell you Clearly, that? Clearly. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Well, so now that we're using those, you're able yeah. to lift, you're lifting, um, you, you know, you do sumo squats and, you know, all kinds of things. With uh, 70 pounds. Yeah. And that's more than half your, way more than half your weight. It's like, you know, three-fourths of your weight. So by doing that, I'm encouraging my genetic tendencies in the right direction. Right. All right. So you can do that with a lot of different things. And and related to when I started studying that. That point, though, let's not go move past that. Okay. So it takes something like a heavy weight. Mm-hmm. For you to actually essentially trigger something external has sure. to happen mm-hmm. to trigger the positive outcome yeah. that comes from you know that's that right. genetic it, meaning you have control of it. That's okay? my point. So, for example, maybe you have a tendency towards heart disease, and maybe your dad and your grandpa both had heart disease. And so, what most people would say is, "Well, I'm probably going to die of a heart attack." Right? No, but I heard you can I hear change that. that. You but can, I hear that on coaching calls. I know. And so do you. But you can change that, and they've shown by changing your habits and eating more healthy and exercising that you don't have to go down that path. So we're picking the obvious one, the heart disease one. Yeah. I'm, I'm, this is the reason I entered into the, your you know predisposition yeah. because it's more interesting, right? It's on the positive mm-hmm. side. But if you want to stay on the negative side too, pretty much every single malady that people think they might be preordained to have, uh-huh. you can to one degree or another mitigate mitigate it not necessarily eliminate the risk factor but you can mitigate it and so that goes true too also with the outcome that you get in life so they can study your genetic predispositions um, through 23andme but what if there's a new test that were come out with 23andme that actually showed your potential to essentially accomplish extraordinary things uh, you know, in life, financially, mm-hmm. for example, sure. you know, so that's the, I was working on all these, you know, thoughts, these competing mm-hmm. thoughts, because it is fascinating to me how much we will just uniformly believe a genetic test. Mm-hmm. And then the genetic test is this way or that way. Yeah. But we don't, we don't use any real proof to uh, rationalize giving up, mm-hmm. you know, to rationalize saying I'm at midlife, I can't mm-hmm. go to the next level. Sure. And so what if you are all listening? And I know this is not a complete thought, but hopefully you guys are benefiting from this. What if you all were to take a 23andMe, and there is a new version of the test out, I'm making this up, but you get the idea, that says you are not genetically uh, supposed to, <laughs> preordained uh, to accomplish your greatest levels of success until you're in your 40s and 50s. Right. Wouldn't that be interesting? Yeah. Yeah. Like but here, here's what we know. Your six isometer. Right. Whatever mm-hmm. it is. There's, there's some tests that they now can take. And, you know, you spit in a little vial, you send it back to California and they test it. And they, you know, they say, you're most likely to earn your peak income between this age and this age. And it's this age and this age where you're going to be making the biggest contribution to humanity. This age and this age where you're going to be do, having your greatest adventures. And what if that age bracket that this new test basically uh, produces 
What if you aren't even close to that age yet? Or what if you're in the sweet spot of that age bracket, right? Yeah, what does it do to your thinking? Right. And isn't that fascinating? So what if there, there was such a test? And what if you just got the test results back? And what if the test results, listeners, especially if those of you are believing that there's such thing as a midlife crisis, which is a bunch of socialized bullshit, by the way, that doesn't really exist in other cultures, and that we've already proven the fact that it's all you know made up for Drama. different variety of reasons, people trying to mostly sell you things, and your friends, frankly, wanting you not to actually start to strive and break outside of the mold that they see you cast in, because then all of a sudden it's going to start pointing out the fact that, hey, guess what? If, you know, Bob can lose weight, so can I. Oh, I don't want to deal with that because then I have to start doing what I don't want to do and I don't want to do it at the highest level. You guys get it? So there's a new test out. It says that basically you're right in the sweet spot of when you should be accomplishing. And when you, when you are genetically predisposed to have the greatest levels of success, happiness, health, you know, everything that you want in life, it's right now. What if that actually were a test that you just took and it showed those results? Isn't that interesting? What would you do? No. What would you do differently? Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, they also have shown how your brain works. It's called uh, pruning, right? Mm. So using different pathways in your brain, let's, let's say different thoughts or affirmations, that becomes a lot stronger path in your, like literally physiologically in your brain. And when you don't use something, it starts to be pruned like a, you know, a tree limb. You, you start to lose that elasticity. And you can work that to your advantage as well, right? I mean, this is this is why, um, you know, you can lose your language if you don't use it. Like if you've got a second or third language, it starts to disappear on you. Right. You practice it, it starts to get stronger. Everything is like that. And, and I think the, the overall theme, at least for me, is you have more control than you think. I love always referring back to when you and I are having thoughts like this during the four levels of mastery, four levels mm-hmm. of learning. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to try to – so go ahead. Well, there, there's different versions. Are you talking about conscious incompetence? Yeah. Okay, so the bottom level is unconscious incompetence. That's when you don't know what you don't know. Then you, you go into conscious incompetence. Hey, there's stuff I don't know. And then you move into consciously competent where you're working on it, but it, it you know, you've got to concentrate. And then only then do you eventually get into unconscious competence. Right. That's like, you know, cruising altitude. You don't have to think about it that much. And just a couple little side notes. There's different things you can read and study this, which is fascinating because here's the reason. I'll give you guys three thoughts. Number one, most people will get reach a certain age and they'll do everything in their control to never be made to feel unconsciously incompetent. In other words, they don't want to be caught in a situation where they don't already have a high level of uh, control or maybe even um, conscious competence over whatever it is. Mm -hmm. So most people get to an age or they think the fight is to get to a point in life where you simply know it all and you don't have to work anymore. You somehow have mastered the game and that's it. And that's, by the way, called complacency. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that Julie and I have learned from the most successful, you guys know this too innately. You know what I'm about to say is true. The way to make it so that all aspects of life keeps moving forward is when you are consciously putting yourself yes. in a position where you're an ignoramus. Yes, yes, actively, on purpose. That's what we do on the Sunday show. Absolutely. Yeah. And you can hear it, listeners, because Julie and I are sort of struggling putting these thoughts together yeah. for the first time. I mean, that little you know series of thoughts we just put together, we've never had that exchange before. Nope. It's never pretty good. Each other about that. Little yeah. bits and pieces of it we've shared yeah. with each other. But, but it is fascinating when you put it, it all together. Yeah. But the truth with all this, guys, is go seek out people and experiences that are going mm-hmm. to put you in a position where you're going to be uncomfortable, um, where you're going to be like made to feel physically almost um, you know vulnerable. You know, Julie lifting the seventy pounds, mm-hmm. and I, I we talked before about like. Um, when you, uh, if you guys are, what's treading water, right? If you're treading water, like literally in a pool and you, you will notice that your legs are, you're wanting to tread water in the same way. Like I'm actually treading water right now mm-hmm. as I'm standing here and my right leg is starting to twitch followed by left one. Now try to do it the opposite direction. Like, like backwards, kind of. like backwards, yeah. right? Try to try to tread water backwards. Do that, listeners. Stand up and try to do exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Pretend you're treading water, and then start doing it like you normally do it. Now try to do it backwards. It's freaking hard. Yeah, even crossing your arms. Ever tried to do that the opposite yeah. way? Yeah, yeah. It's hard. It is hard, and it's the whole thing when you start putting yourself in that let that tiny little exercise of uh, realizing that you can't that you are uh, wanting to resist doing something differently, like the treading over the water. But the very 
fact that you actually do then start to figure out how to do it the opposite direction that you normally do it, that's causing yourself to be more elastic and it's actually causing you to be more alive. Mm-hmm. And it's literally good for your brain. It's literally good your for your body. brain. That's right. And, and so when you then start to, that's a tiny little, st- you know, little trick you can do. But there's so many things like that in life. Um, and we, I think, get to this point where we maybe start giving up on, you know, essentially what we're capable of experiencing on this planet. And so the test results came back. You're in your peak performance zone. You're, you're right now, right in the, you know, middle of what should be your best 10 or maybe even five years, right? Just it really depends. You're right in your sweet spot. And we do know, again, just to drill down on this point, that most people, um, like Enzo Ferrari, he didn't make his first Ferrari until he was almost 50. You know, we always, everyone in America talks about Colonel Sanders, which is kind of hilarious. I mean, but that that guy was, what, I think it was in his early 60s. You know, and there's so many other people out there that, but society doesn't celebrate that. Society wants to celebrate the overnight, you know, woohoo, look at, you know, Susie, she's 22 and she just somehow, I don't even know, you know, became an influencer for showing yeah. pictures of her feet. I don't even know what, right? I don't know. I mean, silly things. And and so the reality that a lot of us forget about is that you can achieve amazing things at any time in your life. But for those of you who are feeling like you're at a midlife crisis and it's all downslope from here, I want you to realize that you're actually not. You're actually at the point where you are just going about to ascend to the next level if you don't give up. If you keep building momentum. And, and if you appreciate your own experience, yeah, too. Because bad or that's good. something that you can't manufacture as yeah. you get older. You know, That's something that I, you know, we joke about. Thank you, Pastor Tim and Julie, for yeah. having that together. But, you you know, you have well, to. Talk about that because yeah, well, <laughs> Julie, Julie preaches to the choir a lot. Yeah. I, I think I see it a, a lot in business. I, you know, I see Pastor it. Tim and Julie. Past Tim and Julie for, you know, making the sacrifices we did in our 20s and working yep. our butts off and doing things that we did, you know, a lot when we didn't want to do it many times. Um, but the Tim and Julie in our 20s didn't realize that. You can't realize well, that when you're in we your We did, actually. When you and I got married, we were 20 yeah. and 21. You were, you know, yeah, the younger of the two. I don't think in the same sense that but, I do now. Right, for yeah. sure. But we knew because we were surrounded by other people, our peers, our friends, mm-hmm. who were screwing around. Yeah. Quite literally. Right. Yeah. And you're screwing around college and then they had, you know, they didn't really get married until their late 20s and they had all the, you know, all, just whatever. And and so and then they didn't really have career paths. They just sort of waffled from one thing to the next. And and now at our age, which we're 30 plus 20, somewhere in there, somewhere in there. <laughs> that we can look back and Julie says Facebook, that's a great sort of, you know, I think a little uh, funnel into uh, mm-hmm. alternative realities. But you can see that people, the, the accumulation of a lot of false starts, a lot of people that didn't stay in shape, a lot of people that didn't stay um, focused on, you know, the belief that they could achieve anything they really set out to in life. And maybe it's just, it's going to take longer. You know, a lot of people that gave up too soon. And that's the interesting aspect of being our age. And I think if those of you who are in our age bracket, if you're feeling in any way that your best days are behind you, I would suggest to you that almost certainly that your best days are still in front of you if you choose for them to be that way. And if you're finding yourself giving up and if you're finding yourself not hitting hard reset on your goals, if you've not even done your goals for this year, you're making an enormous mistake because you can't get the time back. And so one of the things Julie touched on is the past Tim and Julie thing, right? I don't know how we stumbled across that mentally, but it was another little epiphany for us. All the experiences and all the good things and you know that are happening in our lives, it's not from what we're doing now. It's from what we did over the past the accumulation 30, effect, but the accumulation over the past effect, thirty years. Yeah, it, the accumulation effect can be good or it can be bad, right? And yep. that's the control that you've got to have of it. So that you, I often, whenever we came up with that saying, I I use that now when I'm having to do something that I don't want to do. Because I think of future Tim and Julie, I, we have to still be able to look back to now and be able to say, thank you for having that together. You yeah. know, I, and honestly, a lot of that has to do with what we do at the gym because, you know, I don't like being sore a lot, but, but I Julie, still do pr- it. Professionally, professionally, we, yeah. when we are just, you know, yeah. stay focused on. So professionally, what we did um, selling real estate mm-hmm. and what we did, um, you know, all the other sacrifices we made. Sure. We were accumulating rental properties and we yep. were building our net worth and we were building our different businesses. Mm-hmm. That took sacrifice. We didn't go on vacations. Yeah. We didn't necessarily live very high on the hog, to quote nope. my, you know, mm-hmm. dearly departed father. I mean, yeah. there's a lot of things we didn't do. Because we were sacrificing for future Tim and Julie. But we were focused and we did. Right. We've always had goals. 
We've always had whiteboards in the office. We've always had, you know, Harris summits to well, we had the minds. I, I don't want to make us sound like we're deities because we may have no. had them, but we didn't necessarily follow them. You and I, you, the, we had a general path. We, we did. Had, well, out. the North Star for us yeah. was basically we wanted to basically be rich where your money works for you. And you no longer have to work for your money. Yeah. And we defined that originally by, you know, rental properties, mm-hmm. right? you know, owning rental properties, having the rental properties paid off, living off the cash flow. And nowadays, I don't think I'm, I shudder to say this, but it's true to a certain extent. We would still buy rental properties if I are, you know, in Tim and Julie, you know, in our early 20s. But for sure, we would be definitely with eXp Realty and focusing on the streams of passive income that they have uh, built into the system. For example, the revenue share thing. For For sure, sure, that's what we'd be focusing on. And even if, you know, 40s and 50-year-olds, you should still be doing it. Not too late. That's the amazing thing that uh, the different – this this is all the things that have changed that are basically different than they were 30 years ago. And nowadays it's, a, you know, entrepreneurial, it's a culture, it's a, it's a cultural movement almost. And there's so much reinforcing that online and offline. It's, it's nothing unusual for someone uh, to have three or four different um, ventures and jobs. Um, but look guys, the bottom line is, is that you're not too old. You're not too young. You're not too fat. You're not, you know, undereducated or overeducated. You're right where you need to be. You just need to seize the opportunity that's in front of you. And uh, that's the hard part for a lot of us to do if we're constantly feeding our brains with a bunch of negative crap that's letting us believe that our best days are behind us. Well, so the only saying you really need to have going forward is if it's meant to be, it's up to me. Yep. You've got to be in control. You've got to decide what you want. And I'm glad you mentioned if you haven't done your goals yet. What are you thinking? We're already one month into a brand new year. You've only got 11 left to do what you're supposed to do. And so get cracking on that. I mean, you you can't continue in life without going a certain direction. There was a quote that we used in one of the podcasts last week. I can't remember who originated it. but If it, if it was really smart, I did. <laughs> well, it was essentially, you have a choice. The most successful people in life control their lives. The less successful people, life happens to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and that's the difference between well, passive and active. But control is a little bit of a fallacy, right? At least what you can hope to do with goals is essentially have a better sense of the direction you're going. Sure. Because there's always going to be things that are going to throw. Well, yeah. But yeah. at least you've got, you know, a North Star, as you're fond of saying. Yeah. Well, yeah. the North Star, even if you, yeah. you know, if you're... The no matter visual, where you are. Right. Yeah. The visualization is just if you're on a boat and you're in the middle of the ocean and you have a sail and the winds are going to blow you, you know, you can always see the North Star, even if you have to change direction from time to time to stay the course. But mm-hmm. you are touching on something it's really worth uh, drilling down on just, you know, to make this point. I've noticed that there's this return of people thinking they all need to be, um, you know, have a story, right? Mm-hmm. And this reminds me back when we were in high school, frankly. <laughs> like back in high school, everyone needed some sort of story that was like, oh, I had this hardship. You're like, yeah. what the hell are you talking about? You're 12, you know? I know. And, but, and I'm seeing it happen now with when you listen to uh, TED Talks and you listen to like all these people, all, every single person seems to want to start with how they got kicked in the head, how they went broke, how they got divorced 20 times, how they, you know, whatever, right? It seems like it's almost this uh, cultural imperative that you have to have failed a bunch of times before you're allowed to succeed. And that's bullshit. Mm-hmm. That's not true. That's right. not true. And it's better to kind of skip that whole stage, don't you right. think? But if you if you believe that's true, you're going to manifest that in your life. You know, again, one of my favorite Warren Buffett quotes, and I'm getting it wrong, but the gist of it is, is America, this is Warren, right? Americans like to celebrate the comeback story. I like to celebrate the business person who uh, earned it, never lost it, and kept building it. Whereas everyone else seems to celebrate the person who built it, lost it, built it, lost it, built it, and then finally kept it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, so what is it about, um, you know, we can talk about the psychology of of that cycle, that upward and downward cycle forever. But I want you guys again to realize that that's voluntary, right? So even if you've had ups and downs in your life before, even if you've had lots of what you're labeling as a failure in the past, it doesn't necessarily mean you're predisposed to follow that pattern. And, you know, I'll tell you one of the, and and we need to round the bend because you and I have other things we want to do today. But I'll tell you the thing that I did want to do a podcast about. It was member on our list was we're going to come up with the Mm -hmm. master podcasting Mm -hmm. list Mm -hmm. is you're going to, we have to, and we did create a system that basically ensures our continual financial and business growth that doesn't um, allow our foolhardy nature and our lack of knowledge about how to stay on that path in life in general um, to make the decisions for us. So by putting a system in place, for example, mm-hmm. buying rental properties and paying the rental sure. properties off, 
that we put the money into like essentially these rental properties. We don't borrow against it. The money and the property and the asset just sits there. Well, you accumulate enough of those things. You now have a financial bedrock that you will forever have a certain minimal uh, financial, you know, that's it. You will never fall below whatever the accumulated value of all those properties is, is provided you don't do anything dumb, leverage it, borrow against mm -hmm. it, you know, put it all on red and when you're in Vegas, that kind of thing. You have created a absolute bottom line. You'll never go below that mean, uh, that level financially by doing that type of uh, activity. And yet culturally, that type of behavior is not rewarded. People want to talk about the big bet, the big gamble. Look, if you guys are thinking you're at midlife and you can't recreate it all because, you know, you've maybe made the mistakes of believing all these things and that we're kind of, you know, pointing out and, and more, I want you to know that you can recreate it all. I think I think it's really, really critically important that you take this seriously. Otherwise, you're just going to slide further, further down this rabbit hole of despair. And it's, you know, forms it, it it's last uh, human potential is really what it is. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the greatest sin that any of us can commit, you know, to ourselves, basically, yeah. is not fulfilling our potential. That's what's really, truly sad. I agree. You know, and that was a quote in that movie we watched last night. What'd she say? I, you put me on the spot. I can't remember. Yeah. Hermione. Oh, yeah, it was something like that. Yeah. Not fulfilling potential is the greatest mistake yeah. that but you can make. So... Right. So here's your homework from today's podcast. Remember, this is Sunday, so we talk about what we want to talk about. Um, text 2021 to 855-685-1045, and we'll text you back a downloadable link to the Real Estate Treasure Map, which is the fill-in-the-blank business plan. By the way, listeners, do you notice how like, when I start talking about that, because I have conscious competence about certain topics, I talk with fluidity? I'm not having to think when I'm saying because the words just come out versus when Julie and I are sort of like, you know, That's the difference between unconscious <laughs> competence and not yeah <laughs> so yeah i mean i feel that too when it's when you're formulating a new thought and you're hashing it out and that's okay that's but good I, for you i'm not worried about yeah. stammering i'm not worried about right. trying so to like search for words or i'm not worried about looking like a fool i'm not worried about saying something wrong because i'm just trying to basically work through a thought because i think there's yeah. something there's some gold on the other side of it mm -hmm. and again this this process of putting yourself in a position where you're not just constantly caught in your own echo chamber yes. that's one of the hardest things to do mm -hmm. Because frankly, when you're living a life where online and offline, you're surrounded by people that dress the same, look the same, talk the same, mm -hmm. think the same, eat the same food as you, do the same thing. You think that that's your reality. That was the secondary point that we should just brush on a little bit. Mm -hmm. Your lack of exposure uh, and your lack yeah. and your environment in which you find yourself in those two points. If you want to know really how to break free or at least be uh, willing, you know, put yourself in a situation where you're going to be around people that make you uncomfortable. Put yourself in a situation you're around really, really, really successful people. If you don't know how to do it, start with books. Put yourself in a success uh, in a, a situation where maybe people don't have the same political views as you, though politics are frankly just nothing other than, uh, you know, a sea of human despair. So we constantly suggest you stay away from that. But do challenge yourself to be uncomfortable. Be comfortable with being uncomfortable. And then when you return back to your normal day in, you're going to be much more uh, efficient and effective at what you're doing because your brain now is going to be operating at a different, essentially a different uh, wavelength or a different uh, velocity. Yes. I can prove that. Okay. So how many times have you and I had coaching calls with agents that are brokers who were doing a really good job and momentum working their butt off, you know, but then they start to feel a little bit of burnout and on the way to a vacation, they're kind of feeling guilty about it because- there's more work to be done. And then the next call, when they're back from vacation, they're like so on fire. They're so focused. They're so much better for their clients and their family. It's because they just had a different experience. Yeah, that's right. And, yeah. you know, we can talk. That's actually a fascinating thing because now you're making me realize that a lot of these guys, when we're saying go on vacation, they're thinking about going to the same place that they go every damn year. Right, right, right. So you, so a lot yeah. of your – I remember when Julie and I lived in Columbus, Ohio, people went to like one of two places. They went to Lake Erie. They called it the Buckeye Riviera. Yeah. Or, they went or to, Orlando. Or Orlando, right. They went to various places in Florida. Yeah. And that's what they did every year. You know, it's the same yeah. thing. It's like, okay, I'm, that's not this, what we're talking about here. No. What we're talking about is actually dropping your ass in some place that's completely foreign to you where you feel totally and completely vulnerable. You don't know the language. You don't know what anything cultural different. Well, Julie and I, we try to do something similar to that every seven years, but nothing as radical as what we did about two years ago, moving to Puerto Rico. 
I mean, I could promise you that was pretty damn radical. Yeah, but you can get snippets of that by choosing different experiences. Even in your, maybe it's even in your own hometown that you've never done something, right. right? Maybe you've never gone skiing before and you live in Colorado. Go try it out, right? The reason that your vacation memories are so vivid is because you're more present when you're having to learn something new. I believe that the more you create that, the better a human being you are because you have, you know, you're the accumulation of all of your experiences, first of all. But even from a business standpoint, it gives you more fluidity to speak with more people with more, you know, uh, interesting conversations, right? Flexibility, not being intimidated by something e- different. But it's fascinating, even if mm-hmm. you're not starting to talk about different things with different people, because mm-hmm. you're, you know, you're a real estate agent, you're selling lots of houses, you're trying to stay, sure. you know, sharp. The nature of the conversations you're having, even though you're saying the same things, has changed because you're able to listen because your brain is actually more awake. Yes, I would completely and, agree with that. And so those of you who are feeling like you get maybe tired and during the afternoon, you get like burned out by Wednesday, all these types of things, it goes back to your brain elasticity. There's other things too, obviously, you're, you know what you're eating and your exercise and maybe even your hormones and all those types of things. But do start out like, you know, whatever the things are that you are starting to say that you're starting to accept about yourself, that you're not proud about yourself. Look back. Here's I guess I'll leave you with this. Um, If you can imagine back to when you were 25 and those of you are like 24, this applies to you too. just imagine (laughs) you're, you know, 23. (laughs) Okay, I want you to write down as much as you can remember about that person and what that person would have wanted for their life in the next, you know, provi- you know, 10, 20, 30, 40 years, right? 50 years, hopefully, 60 years, maybe, right? What would have been those characteristics that that person or those qual- the quality of life, the quality of relationships, the wealth that they would have accumulated, the experiences they would have had? Can you even remotely touch on what it was like to be you at 25? Do you even remember? What'd you look like? Go back and look for some pictures. Mm-hmm. You know, what did you actually listen to? What were your everything what were maybe you had a completely screwed up 20s and you're like so glad to never have to think about that again that's fine too but for you know most people you are in your transformative uh, age where you're working through ego issues and who am i and what value do i have to you know blah blah blah, blah. your relationships you know sexuality all this stuff this is the stuff you work but what was it that that person would have wanted for the current version of you so go back and if you can can you reconnect with some of those thoughts, those hopes and your dream, those dreams and the goals you had originally had for yourself? What would those things have been? So, Julie, I'll ask you that question. I'll answer mm-hmm. the question myself. Well, I, I actually was just thinking about a related thing to that for our listeners who are in real estate, which is most of them, right, mm-hmm. is uh, for coaching calls, what I'll ask them is imagine, unless they were like freshly minted licensees, right? So for a more experienced crowd, I asked them on the day that you actually got your license, what were your goals then? How did you feel? They were so well, much more excited and they, it was freedom and it was all these things. So you had your license when you were early 20s. So I'm going to yeah. let you scale oh, on the question. I mean. So when you were young, when yeah. you were in your 20s, what would you have hoped for the Julie who had been twice the age? Because that's basically. Uh, probably that we lived in the Caribbean. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Right. Because uh, I always liked warm weather and I had traveled a little bit to know, you know, that that was better than freezing your butt what, off. What happened, if you can um, reconnect to that 25-year-old self, what haven't you experienced or manifested in your life? And you and I are pretty damn good at goal hmm. setting and goal accomplishing. I don't know. Isn't that funny? I really think about that. Okay, so either, I, I don't know. I, I don't have a long list, fortunately. So that either tells you that you weren't a very big thinker when you were 25. Entirely possible. <laughs> right? Yeah. Entirely possible. Yeah. Or, or it basically says that you're really good at goal accomplishing. I think both those things are both true. Of, they can be true at the same time, yes. Right. So the yeah. question, and Julie's not going to necessarily answer this now, but the question you would have to ask yourself now uh-huh. is in the Julie 10 years from now, what will she have? Sure. Wh- right? What is that Julie going to be like? What do I want like? for then? Right. Yeah. And so you and I run the risk of being complacent too, mm-hmm. because we really have uh, outperformed our original software by enormous margins. Yeah, and you have to constantly be working on this, yeah. and upgrading it, and thinking about what you want. I would say my initial answer to that is I want to do post-COVID more travel. I want right. to see more places, and now we can take Zoe with us, and you know I think that's going to be big. And I think ten years from now, five years from now, if we don't do that, that's something I would regret. 
So like, again, I'm not coaching Julie right now, but so if you're thinking similar answers to Julie, then it's not just more travel. You have to decide where you're going to travel. You then should Mm -hmm. probably start doing some homework and create a folder on your computer or a real folder and deciding where you're going to travel, what your itinerary is going to be, gathering pictures. You have to start visualizing it so then you can actually move forward and actually make it happen in your life. But there's other things too, right? Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, we have goals are just our best attempt at setting our direction and life is going to blow us in different directions at the end of the day. I mean, we certainly have had a lot of things that were interesting happen to us, good and bad, over the last 30 years. I think you, you, are you thinking about the same thing I'm thinking about yeah. seven years ago? Yes, <laughs> okay. So, so uh, but really think like that, guys. What is it the future version of you is going to really be appreciative of the current version of you having accomplished, having actually done? Yeah. And it's really comes down to, generally speaking, the five categories of life. I didn't actually tell them that again. So text 2021 to 855-685-1045. That is your fill-in-the-blank business plan. Including uh, goals. Including goals. And one of the exercises is literally coming up with your goals and then creating action plans for each of your goals. And the five categories of goals, Julie? Family, financial, physical, spiritual, and educational. Right. So if Julie was interested in um, you know moving on some specific spiritual goals... Uh, and again, all the goal categories, you don't have to just go and have an equal number of goals for each nope. category. And different points of your life, each of those categories are going to have different importance to you. When you're, you know, at a certain age, maybe it's going to be more physical. At a certain age, it's going to be more financial, right? All these things, there's seasons, if you want to use that overused term in life, to focus on different aspects of being a human, right? <laughs> so be okay with not being in balance with all your different goal areas. You might have zero, uh, I don't know spiritual goals, for example, or you might have a hundred spiritual goals. Um, Be okay with that. That's called life. Balance is a myth. And the pursuit of balance is what burns people out. So, you know, just keep all these things in mind. But really, that's the fun thought. And I want to leave all you guys with that. You know, again, download your treasure map, download your business plan, 855-685-1045. Rather, text 2021 to 855-685-1045. And if you want to talk to Julie and I about joining EXP Realty, For you, many of you, where you're going to hit a wall in your goal setting is the financial aspects. You're going to basically say, Tim, I want to do all these things in my life, but I don't necessarily know how or even necessarily, if I'm being honest, want to know how to earn the money to accomplish all the goals. And the goal setting and the dreaming that you're allowing for yourself are basically predicated on some beliefs about your limiting beliefs about what you can actually earn. That's the beauty, frankly, that um, EXP Realty is because they've created multiple ways for you guys to make money other than just selling real estate or in addition to you just selling real estate and your commissions. The revenue share plan is life-changing for those of you who get it. Those of you who want to take advantage of that, you can create more passive income than, frankly, Julie and I did in 30 years of, well, 25 years really of buying real estate and holding real estate and paying off real estate. The sacrifice that we had to make for the accumulation of what was our North Star, you don't have to make if you choose not to. And this is really relevant, especially those of you who are younger. Um, There's more than one path up the mountain now if you're going to be in real estate to accumulating passive income. And it's not just basically buying rental properties. It may, I do believe you should own rental properties. Real estate is a historically one of the best ways to get and retain wealth, but it's not the only way now. So if you want to talk about eXp Realty, if you're ready to join eXp Realty, text me directly at 512-758-0206. 512-758-0206. In the meantime, I want you guys to really take seriously what we've been talking about, especially those of you who are even coming close to thinking thoughts like midlife crisis, right? I want you to think about what is it the future version of you is going to be really appreciative of having accomplished or experienced um, in the next five years or the next 10 years and allow yourself to manifest that inner 25-year-old or whatever that was not thinking with limitations, who was completely optimistic about what was possible in life. And then over time, basically, you've allowed that person, which that software, by the way, when it came to thinking optimistically was inevitably superior to the way you're thinking now. Well, in most cases anyway. So maybe you can go and you know reload, right? Go to the backup hard drive and reload that old software just so you can feel that feeling of being optimistic. So you can feel that feeling again of reconnecting with life at the highest level. Yeah. I mean, that is the action plan, isn't it? It is. You know, take those steps. If you don't know exactly what to do, remember, you don't have to know all the steps. You just have to take the first step. Right. And there is no limit, guys. And, you know, like I said before, it's kind of a joke, but it's so true. You know, there's two thoughts, right? How's, you know, whatever your day is, good or bad, as long as you're waking up and you're looking at the green side of the grass, 
You're it's good. A, it's, it's a good day, right? Yeah. It, it's, that's it's it. It's a start. If you're waking up looking at the green side of the grass, it's a good day. That should be your minimum threshold, and all of you can experience that. <laughs> you know, because I don't think too many dead people are listening to our podcast. Number two, you only live once and you're dead a real long time. And don't make it so the future version of you is lamenting the current version of you for not having taken the, uh, enough steps and being bold enough. Because I promise you, the older you get, the more that feeling of dread for not having lived your fullest potential will eat at you. And that's what I hear on coaching calls. That's what I see and I read. And people try to paste it over different ways by, you know, rationalizing that they're at a certain age, so they just need to give up on those, you know, aspirations that they're having, they had when they were young. Why? Who says that's true? Why, is, why could that possibly be true? It makes no sense that you'd give up on life at any time. Nope. It doesn't make and any sense. And in fact, you probably know a whole hell of a lot better uh, steps to get there than you did when you were 20 something and you didn't know anything about the world. Who cares about your background? Your background is just a memory of a memory of a memory. What you think about your background, and like I said, this current movement where everyone likes to think of a sob story and that how somehow makes them more uh, authentic, right? Oh, you got kicked down a million times. Everybody does. I don't want to hear about your sob story, honest. I want to hear about the person you are now. I'm going to assume that the person that you had to become the uh, person you had to be in the past to become the person you are now was just a big jobly up piece, you know, a box of puzzle pieces with no picture to copy to know what where the in order the pieces went together. That's how all of us are. That's called life. You know, that's yeah, the, the drama is not a prerequisite. No, to success. exactly. You don't have to have a, you don't have to essentially gone through the gates of Modor to basically, have, you know, experience success. That's just a myth. That's just imagination. You can have ever-increasing levels of success throughout your entire life. So if you're listening to us right now and you're, you know, midlife crisis or you're thinking that you your best days are behind you, or maybe you're basically finding yourself down a rabbit hole, um, guys, you have a long life ahead of, you, ahead of you, God willing, and you have tremendous potential. Don't give up because if there's one thing you're going to regret, it's not having met your potential or not even having tried to meet your potential. Knowing that you left something, leave it all on the field, guys. Those of you who are athletes, you understand what that means. You know, don't have any energy left. Don't have any like fears uh, that are like, oh my gosh, I don't want to go out there because what if I, what if I decide to, you know, like for example, I want to become a listing agent. Oh my gosh, what if I get rejected? What if I have to learn a new skill? What if I make a fool of myself? What see all these thoughts that start popping into people's brains as soon as they decide to break outside of their own little golden cages? Those are the thoughts you have to have because on the other side of that is all the unmet potential that you know you feel inside of your heart and your soul. Anything else you'd like well, to say? You know, the other th interesting thing about that is by taking action and doing the things that, uh, you know, get you closer to those goals, sometimes a whole bunch of other really cool stuff happens yep. that was only loosely related to that. But mm -hmm. it's because you were in active pursuit of something that maybe this other path is even cooler than you thought. And but you'll never see it if you don't take the first steps. You run into people. You have experiences. All of a sudden, you'll be walking through a bookstore and you'll some book will grab your corner of your eye and all of a sudden you'll realize that book is the book that's you know two or three little problems that you were trying to work past that book ignites the solution you're going to all of a sudden listen to a podcast you're going to hear something you're going all these what happens people call it the law of attraction and julian are not woo woo but there definitely is something to that when you tune your mind into the wanting of the accomplishment of a particular goal you start mysteriously it, that's almost what it feels like mm -hmm. manifesting in your life the solutions to your problems you know napoleon hill talks about this in his book think and grow rich you know these these are the types of experiences you have only when you're in pursuit only when you're trying That's to improve. Right. People call it an epiphany, an aha moment. If you haven't had, had one of those in a long damn time, it's because you are allowing yourself to believe that your best days are behind you and you're welcoming in complacency. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? It doesn't make any sense. And here's the interesting, um, you know, Julie and I keep on trying to wrap, but we can obviously <laughs> vamp on this forever. But here's the interesting thing. Being complacent, doing nothing, in other words, is actually more work Mentally, emotionally, physically, financially, more work causes you more stress than actually being in the mode of trying to accomplish things. Why? Well, it does make it so much harder. What's the saying? Uh, inaction is an action. Yeah. Right? 
you you think that you're just sliding and it's easier and all that when in fact you're making it so much harder on yourself. Well, complacency is a myth. Com- yes, it is. I mean, everything's changing all the time. I always use the example of um, you know, let's say that you you set some sweet potatoes in your pantry, and you're just storing them and you ignore them. They're fine. Don't even think about them. And then like a couple weeks later, you walk in there and they've sprouted something or they've molded or they're in a different state of something, right? You can't just leave it alone. I And I think, you know, I worry about people that have too long of a, maybe they have goals, but their time frame is so long. That's a form of complacency. Short-term too. goals are one of the most powerful things. Yes. Yeah, definitely. So, little stupid yeah. tchotchke goals. Like you yeah. and I, you and I want to get a couple, um, you know, little, uh, what the hell are they? Segway bikes. Segway bikes, right. Yeah. I mean, those are, they're, they're nothing goals, but they're little short-term goals. They're just kind of fun to look forward to. Definitely. And Julie and I will set up specific, you know, things we have to do to accomplish the goal. It could just be going to the gym five days of the week or, you know, for a month or whatever. We do that intentionally. It's not the money thing. It's the a little, we're no, you know, we're just monkeys like everybody else, right? <laughs> we perform for our bananas. And, yeah. and if you just game yourself like that, it's really powerful. But it is really fascinating, guys, at the end of the day, how much really true potential all of us have. And you got to really be careful who you're allowing into your head that's making you think that you're, you know, not, you don't have endless potential. Look, I'm not saying you guys can become NBA basketball players or astronauts or Formula One drivers or, you know, ballerinas or whatever else. But I am saying that you can accomplish amazingly beautiful, incredible, extraordinary things in life. Your best days are still ahead of you. The campfire songs about you have yet to be written, right? <laughs> yeah. But you've got to you've got to create the reason why. And maybe you already have. Maybe you're already living this amazing life. And you know, I asked Julie basically what the 25 year old version of her would think of the current version of her. I actually already knew the answer because I knew her when I was married to her when she was 25, <laughs> yeah. and we were having conversations like this. We used to go on what we call Harris summits every year. Mm-hmm. You remember that? Yeah. We haven't done that because we live in a place where we'd want to go on vacation. <laughs> yeah. And we would talk about essentially what we wanted to be when we were all grown up. And we're not all grown up yet. And so now we always are in a state, especially on Sunday, and we try to share this with you guys, of trying to expand our boundaries and what we're thinking, what we're capable of doing. And, and here's ultimately what we were just talking about. There is no such thing as complacency. Complacency, it is a word, right? It's in the dictionary, but it, you cannot experience complacency because as Julie just said, you're constantly in a state of change. If you think you've got it made financially, you're going to lose what you have. If you think you've got it made with your relationships, you're going to lose what you have. And you can go through all the different categories, the five categories of life. Mm-hmm. As soon as you stop trying to, at least, you, you can't even maintain what you have. You have to be improving what you have. Maintaining the mindset of uh, maintenance is actually complacency. You have to be improving what you have. By improving, I mean it in the literal sense. You can The easiest way to do it is just take a look in the mirror and say, okay, I realize that I am the accumulation of all the past efforts and, you know, decisions and uh, essentially maybe uh, everything else in the past that Maybe I had too much to drink when I was in my 20s or, you know, maybe I got too much sun when I was in my 30s or maybe I shouldn't have had all those, you know, those potatoes all my life. Who knows what, right? So you're the accumulation of all the past decisions you've already made. But that means the amazing thing is, is that you then, now you acknowledge that if you're introspective about it, you look at your bank bank account balances and the relationships you have with uh, with people. That's the accumulation of all these past decisions well, if you don't like what you see, maybe a lot of what you see you like, but if there's certain things you don't like what you see, why don't you put in, write those things down and why don't you change them? That way, five years, two years, 12 months, you know, whatever, 10 minutes, when you're looking at that same reflection, you're actually liking the changes that you see. That's shocking yourself out of complacency. But guys, just just realize at the end of the day, this is a gift, this life we all have. All of us on this planet at this very moment, us sharing this experience, we're standing in our little office, the Ritz-Carlton in Puerto Rico, and it's where we live, and we're sharing all of these sort of, you know, not necessarily very cohesive thoughts with all of you, because this, after all, trying is, to get them out. this is the Sunday podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? Um, but we're all listening to each other. We're all hopefully vibing together. I know when we release this podcast in about, you know, 30 minutes, within probably about two hours, there'll be easily five or 6,000 of you that downloaded. Our Sunday podcast doesn't have the same number of um, you know, people that download during as the, does during the week, but then we'll have another four thousand of you that listen to it off just various websites where we where you don't have to download it. So ten thousand of you at least will be sharing this very experience with us. So there's no chance that not a good percent of you are going to relate to exactly what we just said. Yeah. So make the most of it. 
Right. Make the most of it because this technology, just this podcasting, this wasn't around 30 years ago. wasn't even really around 20 years ago. Make the most of it. Realize that your best days are still in front of you. Realize that there is nothing in this life that you still can't accomplish. If you just basically say, you know what? I want to make it so that the future version of myself is loving on the current version of myself. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to forgive the past version of myself. And do realize, as I just touched on a second ago, don't get in this habit or thinking that you have to come up with some bullshit story to sound more authentic. Because what you're doing is you're essentially just, in in a lot of ways, every time you tell your story, you're kind of, it's a bullshit story. Mm -hmm. Because it's it's a memory of a memory of a memory. I remember when I was, um, my brother and my sister and I, we were talking about an experience that we had as kids. And it was a shared experience. And I remember my brother got mad at me because I remember the experience as being bad and he remembered the experience as being good. And I thought at the moment, I thought, well, my brother just, you know, he was trying to you know put me in my place because he's my older brother or whatever. And then it was a little while later that I realized that he was just remembering the same thing differently than the way I had remembered mm-hmm. it. But the experience was identical. And but what had happened is over time, my the memory I had of that particular experience was the memory of a memory of a memory of a memory. It That's wasn't that pruning thing going on. Right. It wasn't real. And the way his brain pruned it was no more real or fake than mine, but it was different. And so what makes you think that the experiences that you had in the past are even real? I know, my God, Tim, or you're telling your memory of them is accurate. Yeah, or not and accurate. and if you find yourself being insulted because I just basically, you know, said that, it's because you are wanting your past self and especially bad experiences to be your whole story, and they're not. Those bad, those past self uh, memory renditions, those are what's generally speaking going to hold you back from becoming the best version of yeah, yourself. You're giving that you it too can. much power. You are. You're giving it too much power. You think that you, in order for people to like you and accept you, and again, I know this is the current zeitgeist for you to seem authentic, you need to have some sort of poor me story. Why don't you skip the poor me story? And if you're young enough that you haven't manifested a lot of these poor me stories in your life, why don't you just skip Skip that too? Listen to what Warren Buffett said. All right. So your homework, guys, if you're ready to join EXP Realty, just text me directly at 512-758-0206. In the meantime, if you've not yet picked up Harris Rules, it is available at Barnes & Noble and everywhere else, um, bookstores everywhere. Especially Amazon. Yeah. And easily it's on Amazon, obviously. If you want to, don't text me or ask me, Tim, uh, like I get this a lot. Tim, I'm new in real estate. What am I supposed to do? Buy our book, follow the chapters in the order in which we've written them, and stay the course. Follow one course until successful. That is what I'm always going to tell you. So for those of you who are busily thumbing away a message right now to me, getting ready to ask a version of that question, I just told you the answer. In the meantime, you guys have a fantastic day. We'll turn to normal, regularly scheduled real estate coaching tomorrow. (laughs) This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com dot com.